911, what's your emergency? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place to discuss all public information-related topics for police, fire, EMS, and local and federal government organizations. It was a good learning experience for a lot of us that, that social media is not real life. But we have to remember the media are very rarely a target audience. They're simply that conduit. Our words have impacts on individuals and it may not be positive. So just be just being thoughtful and mindful of the words that we speak. I think what's so interesting about this position too and this job and this profession is that um, every one of us is looking for purpose and when we find it here, that's it to know is that a crisis for one is not necessarily a crisis for another. This episode is sponsored by the Social Media Strategy Summit, the leading provider of social media education. They host annual events designed specifically for government communications professionals like you to help you build and engage your communities through social media. Visit their website at socialmediastrategysummit.com to learn more and use promo code PIO Podcast for 10% off of your registration. Today on the PIO Podcast, we have Public Information Manager Mark Economo from the Boca Raton Police Department. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Mark, you know, I really appreciate this. This has been kind of like a labor trying to get us together, <laughs> and I know it's it's difficult. You're a busy person, do a lot for not only just your agency, but a lot of uh, associations as well. So I appreciate it. Let's talk about your background, though. How did you get in here? You started out as a journalist. How'd you become a PIO? Um, well, interesting. I guess it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I started off originally in college majoring in meteorology, uh, believe it or not. But uh, at that time, it was a little too difficult with all the science and all that stuff. So I switched over to journalism um, right out of college. Well, originally, St. Louis University was for the meteorology. Then I went up to Linden State College in uh, uh, the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont for uh, um, uh, journalism, communications. And um, right out of graduating from there, I took the seven-year plan, you know, <laughs> uh, right after graduating from there, I went over to Burlington, Vermont as a TV reporter and anchor, um, and then was lucky enough, which many people don't get to do, get a job back in my home state and town um, in Providence, Rhode Island at the uh, CBS affiliate there, um, where I spent about seven years um, as an anchor and reporter. I'm um, doing radio on the side as well. Um, it just got to the point, uh, honestly, it was 2002. I'd been there since 95. Um, covered a lot of incredible um, stories and, and traveled around, um, you know, and even from, you know, 9-11, um, uh, being on the anchor desk the morning that happened. But uh, then I had kids. So I had a two-year-old and a newborn in 2002 and uh, just decided I was tired of working weekends and holidays and nights and 24-hour schedules um, in terms of not just being able to time, spend time with family and that type of stuff. And also started seeing how the news business was changing. Um, I saw that pretty coming on uh, in that last year 
Um, you know, they started getting rid of live truck operators, and we had to go set up the trucks ourselves for our own live shots. Um, uh, then you started having to, you know, record your own stuff, and uh, um, there was a. I just got tired of knocking on doors asking people for a picture of their dead kid. You know, I mean, that's a, and that's actually a true story. I mean, you know, how do these pictures get on TV when someone dies? Um, in a tragic event, you go to the door and knock on it. So I get kind of tired of that, and I get tired of the schedules. Um, and at the time, the former governor of Rhode Island's chief of communications opened his own uh, advertising and PR agency and asked me to come work for him. So I did it. So I got some advertising and public relations and uh, representing uh, agencies, um, companies, and all that type of stuff. And then about a year and a half into that, um, I went to Citizens Bank, which is a big bank up in the Northeast, as um, head of media relations for the state of Rhode Island. Um, and that Really quick, I learned that sitting in a cubicle with a suit on all day long was not <laughs> my cup of tea after being in the media and on the road all the time, you know. So um, my wife and I looked at each other. We were in 2006. We opened our own little private company. It got a big, long, short story, right? Um, but then the uh, recession started hitting. My wife was a nurse. She could work anywhere. Um, and we started saying, you know, this was 2007, 2008 when the economy started turning. Um, and we decided, you know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And uh, her brother lived down here in Florida. I started looking on, on Indeed for jobs, and I saw this job open up, and I applied for it. Um, it was a little bit of a process to a phone interview. They flew me down the following week, and uh, there we go. I later found out that, you know, we had had a tragic murder here the year before in 2008 um, of a mother and daughter right before Christmas at a mall parking lot. And uh, um, the chief at the time was a very young chief. He knew social media was coming on the scene. And a lot of agencies at that point, that's where we started seeing the shift, as you know, from law enforcement PIOs to civilian PIOs, former broadcasters, because they know how to talk to the media. A lot of times cops don't. Um, and that was the big switch. And our chief was a young chief at the time and, and kind of saw that. And uh, here I am. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Social media, since you've been in it, you, you got, you were probably in it right at the beginning and social media started to jump off. How has it made the job more challenging, but at the same time helpful? Well, you know, I think we're looking now at how things have changed and evolved over the years. You know, when I started this job in 2008, which is exactly 15 years ago this month, um, when I started this job, we got iPhones and we were like, Ooh, what are these? These new iPhone ones, you know, we replacing, uh, the uh, Blackberries everybody had. Um, but social media wasn't really on the scene yet. I mean, for anybody, I mean, our agency, uh, when I came into this job to do that, um, we set up our accounts, uh, Twitter and Facebook were the two things. Um, we actually had a MySpace account that was still active at the time, if anybody remembers those. Um, and uh, we started uh, doing social media in October of 2008. Um, there was one other agency here in Florida, up the road, Boynton Beach. They had uh, uh, social media accounts established. And they might have put out like a tweet, but they weren't actively using it. Um, and, you know, we, we call ourselves probably one of the first police departments that we know in Florida but maybe the country that really started actively using social media. And at that time, it was to put out information. It was to put out stuff that, you know, we never had an outlet for the media. If the media was misreporting something, um, we had no other way but to call them and ask, hey, can you correct this? And it was a crapshoot whether they would or not. Uh, but now we had our own platform to put out our information on our terms and the facts, not a, a spun thing. That's really evolved over the years. And, you know, no one was on board with us because we didn't, they didn't know what we were doing. I never forget my first two weeks on the job. We had a captain here who's now retired. And uh, he looked at me and said, you know, uh, so what are you going to do after this social media thing fizzles? Meaning that it wasn't going to catch on. Uh, but what really did make it catch on is the um, U.S. airplane, Sully, that landed that plane on the Hudson River. And I, I do this in a lot of my presentations when I do the social media 101s. When that plane landed, there was a guy from Sarasota, Florida, and he had a picture 
and he tweeted it out. He had a Twitter account, and none of the media did yet. No one did. And they actually, in the article, call it the microblogging site Twitter for nerds of the Internet or something like that. Um, but right after that picture went out, that's when you started seeing all the CNNs, MSNBCs, all that stuff, local TV stations starting social media accounts. That changed the game. Now we have to start watching what we're putting out, and they're taking our stuff, and they're instantly putting it back out. Um, fast forward now, I mean, to, to make that answer short, the, the challenge is, is now everybody's a reporter and journalist, right? So now we're, we're getting misinformation, pick, people are taking pictures of scenes, tweeting them out when it could be nothing, or Xing them out. Is that what I'm saying now, Xing them out? Um, and they're putting that information out there, and um, it, it's and I see some of the questions we're going to be talking about. It, 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 it kind of goes hand in hand all the way down. We're not only putting information out, now we're managing misinformation or Managing the information because we want to get out there first, but now it's so instantaneously fast, um, you know, we, we, it's hard to react. Really quick story. IACP 2016, I believe, 2016, we was in Philadelphia. Whenever it was in Philadelphia, I was up there with the chief, and we started getting phone calls. And before the chief even got notified, we had a standoff with a suspect who was who shot and killed his wife in the street. And it turned into a, an officer-involved shooting because he was threatening, you know, uh, suicide by cop. Um, that picture of the scene, because the traffic was jammed up with the body still on the ground, was tweeted out within 30, 60 seconds of it happening before the chief and assistant chief even knew that scene happened. Um, you're talking family finding out about things. You're talking about the media, the public, before we even get out there. So it makes our job a lot easier of trying to get the information out and accurate and, and get it first. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. So, Mark, natural disasters, uh, you know, with, with social media, that's something that we tend to now use for any kind of disaster or accident. How is that becoming challenging, getting messaging out during, for you guys, especially in Florida, hurricanes? Yeah, for hurricanes especially, I, I think it's a, a great way to get information out where in the past we'd had to rely on sending information again to the media where we can just real-time put information about evacuations. It's getting the people to follow us. It's getting the people that aren't following us. Listen, as much as we'd love every resident of the city of Boca Raton to follow us, we've got multiple platforms, we know they don't. Um, and, and, you know, there's an effort to try to get keep building. And we have a lot of followers, you know, 60,000 on Facebook, 60,000 on Twitter, um, and uh, next door, which we find to be a really useful tool because we're talking directly to our residents on that. And I think we get about 42% of households in the city on that, which isn't bad, but um, it's getting the information out and getting, getting it out accurately and, and also getting people's questions of like, Oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my neighborhood's flooding. What do I do? And, and seeing that. So when those happen, we have a team and we sit there and monitor all the different channels and, and, you know, it's kind of live. We go into the emergency management center during, if we're in the cone, and we put out that messaging. Um, the challenging part is to get it out timely and get the message to the people. And I think that's still a work in progress on how that happens. So, Mark, you mentioned a team. How many people work for you or work within the public information office? In our office, we have we have three folks. We have um, an officer, Jessica Desir. She's the public information officer. Um, I'm the public information manager. We're kind of equal. 
I'm a civilian. She's sworn. Um, and then we just brought in a third person, um, Gabby Tancredi. She's going to be our graphics uh, um, digital social media manager. So, you know, we get so tied up here in Florida, people don't realize we have this incredible, stupid, well, I shouldn't say that on a national podcast, but a very open public records law here in the state of Florida. And everybody in the world requests things. So a lot of our time's taken up with that. A lot of our time's taken up with, um, you know, media questions, or if they want files on a case or um, public record request by someone in the media just has been working on it. It's hours and hours of types of things. And what was happening, and I think COVID kind of did this to us, is in COVID, everything kind of slowed down, right? We didn't have to put out much messaging. We weren't doing all the community events. We weren't doing, and that lasted two years before we as an agency started getting back out into the public and doing those things. And we kind of, we became flat. I think we became flat and kind of just rested on our laurels of how we were doing things a little bit. And, uh, but to get back into it was hard because we were doing so much other stuff. So bringing this third person in now, if you check out our social media now, you know, we're doing stuff almost daily on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, and, and what have you. I will say when you're talking platforms and how to reach people, um, we're really learning and, and things evolve with that too, right? We're really learning to get to the people that you want, the younger audience, and um, getting that information out. Is Instagram's really becoming, uh, for us, one of the most popular platforms uh, to get that stuff out there. We don't use um, we don't use Snapchat, we don't use tweet, um, TikTok, but we do use everything else. But Instagram, but, but Insta- Instagram's really a similar the format you can do in multiple ways, like Snapchat and like Insta or like TikTok as well. So that's a nice thing about it. I agree with you on that. So let me ask you: this. Did you guys jump on Threads too? We did. We signed up for it. One of the things I do with any new social media um, platform, especially the popular ones mostly, is I right away reserve our at Boca Police because okay. we want to, even if we don't use it, I don't want yeah, someone want to copying it, us right. and, and doing it. So we, we reserve it right away. Um, so we have a, a Boca Police Snapchat. We have a Boca Police TikTok and we have a Boca Police Threads. Um, the TikTok and Snap, like I said, we don't use. Um, threads, we haven't really started using yet. We were researching it. You know, everybody was, was on board when all this stuff happened with Twitter and everybody jumped on it. They had one of the largest signups in one day in the history of social media, but you're also learning a lot of people um, just kind of, I look at it once in a while, but we really haven't, it hasn't really taken off to the, to the level we all thought it was going to take off. Um, but we are researching, starting to kind of cross pollinate um, posts on there just because there is an audience there as well. So. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, my next question is about ransomware attacks. There has been a lot of ransomware attacks that have happened in the last six months, nine months now. Some law enforcement agencies in the Northeast got hit. Some hospitals have been hit. How do, how should the PIO be prepared for that? Um, interesting. We were hit a number of years ago, about seven years ago, maybe we were hit here. We were down for three or four days. Um, the good news is we were able to use our phones. Mm-hmm. So we were still able to stay connected to the public via social media with our phones, um, have a backup plan. I mean, I had no access to anything on my computers because everything's connected to the city servers, obviously. Um, and you can't put stuff on your personal computers because of public record laws, all that stuff. Um, you know, maybe print out stuff and have a, uh, what if type of thing, just like we have a crisis communications plan, have a, have a plan. If, if the, the internet network goes down for the city or even the state, how are you going to communicate with the public? Um, one of the great things for us is that, um, and, and all law enforcement should do this is that, um, we have FirstNet. 
um, through AT&T is that whole first net government network. And that's the network that no matter how big of a crisis that happens, you get first priority on the cell towers over everybody and they can even bring in the cows, the portable cows. So in an event like that, when communications goes down internally, um, you know, I think a phone's a good plan and have things printed out so you can still keep messaging the, the public. All right. So this is next question is kind of a two level question. How do you ensure accurate and timely dissemination of information to the public, whether it's the media or just the general public? And what strategies do you employ to maintain that transparency and accountability in the whole process? Um, first of all, we have a, a very tight knit group that has access to put that information out. It's literally myself and Jessica. Um, dispatch has some, some um, 911 dispatch has some um, availability, but not a lot. Um, in terms of putting out like the emergency messaging and that stuff. But in terms, you know, years ago, go back to a news analogy. And I use a lot of this news analogies when I do my presentations too, is that we had a news director and he always said, let's get it first, but let's get it right first. And that resonates a lot, even in this job as PIOs, because we want to get that information out before the public starts putting out false rumors and asking questions or the media starts putting things up. But we want to make sure we have the right information first before we put it out. And a lot of times we're not first, but we want to make sure it's right. Um, I'm a little more of the, hey, let's get the information out. But that's the reason Jessica at Officer Desire myself, I think, works so well together because she's always the one that, hold on a second, we need to check the facts. Let me call the, the watch commander, whatever. But um, in today's day and age, it's so hard. You know, if, if there's a lockdown at a local school and a code red and we're listening to it here on the radio, before we can even, before our guys even make entry or, or at the scene, we have parents tweeting out, uh, my, our kids, my kids are inside. There's a code red, there's an active shooter there's no active shooter you know there's this there's that so it's really you know get it first but get it right first and i think it's you don't want it to get to the point where you have to play catch up because sometimes if you wait too long you lose that control and people are just posting and posting and posting and it's hard to rein it back in uh, now mark how, how big is boca raton um interesting city boca raton we're in the we're in the, the palm beach county um and here in palm beach county which is one of the largest counties in florida is the largest county in florida um here in the city of boca raton we have the largest amount of office space um, than anywhere in, in the in the county. Um, we're headquarters, so like um, Office Depot, Tyco, ADT, like some of the world world companies have their headquarters here. So that's also important, right? Um, but we have about 180,000 residents. But with the snowbird effect, um, it goes up to about 280 um, during wow. snowbird season, which is the winter here. Um, and then with the colleges and the, and the businesses and all that office space, it could go up to 350,000 a day. So we go anywhere from 180,000 to 350,000. Uh, we had a large football stadium here for FAU um, that's really um, getting more and more popular um, and, and then being on the ocean. So there's a lot of, a lot of uh, venues in terms of agency size. We're 217 sworn um, and we're 110, I believe, civilian employees here in the department. So well, it's a good size. Are you using technology to monitor any of the platforms or, or, or are you just using just a general when people message or are you getting those? Yeah, we don't. We have our crime analysis unit that does a lot of their uh, social media, um, you know, checking out of stuff um, in terms of, you know, threats or that type of stuff. We monitor our stuff. You know, listen, up until a couple of months ago, it was easy. You know, you could set up any column you want on TweetDeck and, and follow it along and put things in. People were talking about you, even if you didn't, they didn't, weren't mentioning you. Because they mentioned Boca Raton, there's a search 
platforms are so easy. Um, it's been a little more challenging the last couple of months since uh, they're changing all the platforms and TweetDeck's not supported anymore. And it's kind of gone back to the retro version and then it goes back again. Then it goes, you know, whatever Elon Musk is doing with Twitter, I have no idea. But I think if anybody could get a message to him, you know, even like the IACP or NIOA or somebody like that, and getting a message to, to Elon Musk and, and X and that stuff is that he has to understand how important this platform is, is for us for emergency messaging. Um, when there's an active shooter, when there's a, a critical mass incident, Twitter is the easiest way for us to communicate with the masses and the and, and the media. And there's no we, we've seen that time and time again over every mass incident that we've seen, and you know this as well. And we've talked about it at conferences. Um, but to put behind paywalls, make people get charged for this, only so many views a day of, of searches. Um, government should be allowed especially law enforcement, allowed to pass these messages along. So what are we doing in the meantime? We have our um, text to, you know, uh, our texting emergency thing. We're trying to get more people to sign up for that. You know, there's only like 3,500 people so far that have signed up for that. It's, and, you know, it's, it's tough pushing that out there to everybody. You know, there's a hurricane coming. Sign up for this because we'll send out those emergency texts. Uh, we'll still do it on the other platforms, but it, it's definitely becoming more challenging of getting your message out there. Facebook is full of ads, um, and like I said, you know, X is a mess right now. So, um, you know, the only good thing about Meta and Facebook is that they still have that emergency alert system that you still can send out an emergency um, post on Facebook. Um, but X, I mean, you know, it, it's it's concerning because it's our way of communicating with the public. And it's what the, the platform really was designed for that quick message. You know, if you go back to the very early days of it, Text only. It wasn't yeah. even images. Yep, and we put, and we put we pushed to the media and to the public for years. Listen, when when crap hits the fan, this is where you're going to go get your information. So you know it's still there, but it's we don't know what's going to be happening with it, and we we're trying to think of other ways to communicate. The city PIOs, or you know, we're kind of in talks of how we're going to do this and uh, where we're going to put the messaging. So, so you guys have not gone to to pay for Twitter Blue then? We did. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, we did because we were verified and we were one of the first agencies to be verified for law enforcement on uh, on Twitter. And uh, then it went gray on us. And uh, um, we were afraid that if we didn't, we'd lose that statue of being verified. So right. we're paying the nine bucks a month or eight bucks a month or whatever it is for the for the blue. And uh, it still doesn't give you a tweet deck? It does. But TweetDeck announced that they're not going to be supported and updated anymore. So as the uh, API changes and all that stuff changes, you might not see it updating as much. Um, I've seen some funky things with it already, uh, but yeah, they're not going to they're not going to put new versions out of it. So um, you know, it's now really that, and what happened is that he cut out his API. So we had our Twitter feed on our website. Um, we had it on our and he's, so now it's that's dead. So we had to remove those from those sites now because they, they block the APIs as well. When people that don't know what that is, you take a code, put it on your website. So if somebody goes to bocapolice.com, the Twitter feed's there also. Um, we even had it internally on our first arriving monitors around the building. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really messing with the way we uh, put our messaging out. But, yeah, we did pay for the blue check. Um, whether that's going to be useful to us or not, I guess we'll evaluate it over the year and see when it's time for renewal. All right, so let's talk about ev uh, evaluating your communications efforts. Do you guys do anything... You said you had a crisis communications plan. Do you do anything to evaluate how you do throughout the year? Um, not yet. Um, that community crisis communications plan is we have ours, the city has theirs, and we're kind of merging them together. Um, we've hired the great Julie Parker, who I know you know, um, to help us as a, um, uh, we've brought her on for a consultant with the city side of things, and she's helping us with our 
crisis communication. Because listen, you can have the best laid plan in the world. We watch these press conferences of mass incidents and how they do things. We go to IACP and NIOA and listen how they did things. And we take all that information back and put it into our crisis communications plans. So everybody's crisis communications plans are bits and pieces of all other crisis communications plans. But you can think you have the best laid crisis communications plan and there's there's loopholes in it. You know, there's things missing. So it's nice to have an outside eye to, to look at that. Um, so yeah, it's being evaluated in that sense right now. We haven't, you know, knock on wood, had to initiate it yet. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the learning experience from it too, right? After action and, and finding where things went, unfortunately. Uh, but it's a work in progress. And um, in terms of our daily, like looking at our stuff, we don't look at metrics. Um, you know, I know a lot of agencies and, and government agencies and law enforcement PIOs look at metrics of social media. and We're hitting this many people. We're not. Um, we go by our messaging and we go by feedback. Um, and again, that goes back to the Instagram stuff. Where we're seeing massive feedback from things we post on there. We're finding the more um, action stuff and the more video type stuff and the little reels of 10 seconds, um, the less words. Um, the more hits you get. If you put a post on Instagram, that's basically a poster with 3 million words on it. They're going to drop you down in those metrics because they want more pictures and videos. Um, so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're, we're kind of, you know, playing you asked earlier how things have changed. That's how things have changed. You know, we used to put out 30 minute long form videos of interviews and things. And then when they went to two or three minutes and then they went horizontal and they went back to vertical and um, now they're 10 seconds, you know, I know the, video amazing? Show, the video I used to show it at the conferences was a gold span has an attention span of, eight seconds and the average human is six. So, you know, uh, yeah, I know it's amazing. All right. So, um, recently a couple agencies, actually several agencies have shut down their two way communication via social media. Um, one very prominent organization up in, uh, Northern Florida, there, pretty much shut down all their communication two way on Facebook and Twitter. What's your thoughts about that? One word wrong. Simply wrong. And I, I, we deal with this all the time. We see it all the time across the country. It's been questioned here in the early stages of things. Listen, you went on social media to have a conversation with people. And then you shut it down because you don't like the comments people are saying. Number one, I think you shut off comments. It's, it's, a, it's a platform that's a public platform. You shut down comments, then you have First Amendment problems. Number one. Um, you delete comments. We all know now from learning that that's a big no-no. There, there's lawsuits going on around the country about about uh, blocking people and deleting comments. Hiding comments is still questionable, but a lot of people still do it, as do we once in a while. Um, listen, go, go into the filters. Every social platform has filters to put in keywords you don't want to show up and block, and swear words and racist words and whatever you want in there. But to go and if there's a story about a, a, a rogue cop or something, and then there's a hundred comments about you know what a crooked agency this and that, you know what you have to you have to drink it. You know, I mean it's 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 part of what it is. But you can't go and censor. And I tell people this all the time: you can't do it. You just can't stop and have a one-way street of communications because then you're dictating the message, and it's a it's a conversation is what it is. That's what social media was meant for. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And you know, it's interesting when. The, the one agency up in Northern Florida stopped at their, their sheriff up there said that we're getting people that are reporting crimes on there. Well, it, that may happen. And that's just part of the educational process that maybe you tell them, Hey, we appreciate you reporting in here, but to be more timely, you may want to call 911. Right. And we have that all over our social media platforms. If you DM us on Facebook with a crime, you get an automatic pop-up 
uh, DM back saying, uh, "Hey, this isn't monitored twenty four seven. It's emergency call nine one one. It's on our it's on our platforms. We do get them from time to time, and we'll follow up with some of them, or we'll forward some of them. But let me tell you something which is interesting too. And you know, there's a lot of states like this, um, Florida in particular, where I came from in Rhode Island. It wasn't. We didn't have sheriffs. Um, the sheriffs ran the jails. Um, is basically what they did, and that was it. There was state police and local police. Um, here in Florida, as, as you might know, the sheriffs are politicians. They're elected into office." Uh, where police chiefs of cities and towns are appointed uh, and, and they apply to be. So when you get a sheriff in any of the counties in Florida that are sheriffs, they're politicians. They're elected into office. So if sheriff's departments decide to, to stop putting comments on their pages, we know why. It's, it's you know, they, right. they don't want to get some of their political right? stuff, you know. So. Right, right. Mark, you talked about this before about misinformation. How do you guys address it or address rumors that come out on social media or just in general? Uh, from the news media? Um, we try to get the facts out there as soon as possible. Uh, again, something Jessica's great at is finding that misinformation and, and, and attacking it. I'll never forget, I was away on vacation one year, a few years ago in Breckenridge, and I woke up one morning to my phone blowing up, and I was on vacation, but I texted Jessica. We had a person, and there's Boca, and then there's West Boca. It's unincorporated, so it gets confused. They're covered by the sheriff's office. We have our own police department. There was an incident where, the long story short, it was a, a picture or something that went on Instagram. I don't remember the whole story, but it was implying something racist or whatever. And a very prominent uh, Twitter user um, um, on online started bashing us, calling us racist and this and that and everything else. We had the wrong agency. And he had such a huge following. We were getting hammered. I mean, that thread was going like this, which never goes like this about Boca Police, of people just commenting to us and slamming us and this and that. And that took a lot. You had to get that, you know, Jessica just kept trying with tweets and putting stuff out there. This wasn't us, wrong wrong agency. Tried reaching out to him. He didn't respond. Um, never put a correction out, you know. So that that got carried away, and it happens once in a while. Um, but hopefully when misinformation does get out, like we're right here and on top of it um, during the day, especially Monday through Friday, weekends and nights might be something different. We might not see it right away. Uh, but say, like I said, you know, the police, uh, the school departments here have their own police departments, but we supplement them. Um, so the Palm Beach School the uh, school Department has this Palm Beach School Board police. They have police at every um, um, school. But when there's something like a, a code red of a threat of an active shooter, we all respond from the city. Um, and a lot of times it happens that, oh, there's a report. You ever hear these swatting incidents where they come from another country and they're calling in an active shooter at a school? It just happened recently here in Boca at the high school. The call is coming in. Uh, I'm on the first floor. I'm shooting. There's 10 people dead. I'm shooting more. And it was a swatting call from some other country somewhere that was coming in. We responded, obviously. Um, but while we still had to clear the building, even though we knew at that point it was swatting, there was no sounds of gunfire and all that stuff. But parents, kids were tweeting their parents or texting their parents. Parents started texting us. And that's when we have to sit there and stop that misinformation, you know, stop the media calls, you know. Um, so you got to be on top of it, plain and simple. Let's take a quick break. Hey, Bar & Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar & Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Well, last couple questions in the, in the main part here. You've been in the field a long time. So what changes do you see in the role of the PIO from maybe like the next five to 10 years? You just hurt me there. Long time. Years. I just, 
I'm already having the second midlife crisis, Robert. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I see changing in our role too is AI. We haven't talked about that at all. Um, we've had a couple, we have a big PIO co-op meeting here in, in Palm Beach County uh, once a month. And we've had some conversations about um, AI. Um, and AI is starting to play a critical role in a lot of things. And that's another thing we have to watch out for in terms of how information gets out and misinformation gets out. Because is that information still 100% accurate? We know that AI is crazy smart because it scrapes every corner of the internet and takes everything that's out there and puts it together. Um, but, you know, we did an example of a press release. I just put like five facts in from a press release that we did. And I put it in and said, uh, GP, G, GPT, um, yeah, uh, write me a press release on these five things. And it put a press release out that was 10 times better than any press release I could have written. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think AI is a big thing. I also think um, the, the everyday armchair reporter, meaning the public, of constantly putting video out. We're constantly seeing things just this last week alone. Last week and a half, we've had incidents of our officers arresting somebody, um, and they're all being posted on Instagram. You know, the people are out there posting stuff. And unfortunately, they're just showing, let's say this guy was taken to the ground because of whatever reason, and it was still proper use of force. But they're only putting that 10 seconds out of us taking him to the ground and handcuffing him. Right. Makes Then you got to stop monitoring. Is it going to go viral? Are people going to say things? So I think that's something we never faced until about... I don't know, five or six years ago, and that's when you started, maybe eight years ago, and that's when you started seeing agencies go to body cams. Why? Because you're only seeing part of the story on the social media. We can show you the whole story, um, which a lot of times is the real story. Now, let me ask you this then. So in critical incidents where you have an OIS or something, are you guys producing or putting out a a critical incident video or debrief in in a short-term, in a short-form manner? It depends. Um, we had one incident where we had to put one out right away because it was starting to go viral. We had a, um, a very racist person, um, um, anti-Jewish person on a street corner here in Boca Raton, which is a very large Jewish community um, with, with terrible, terrible signs um, on a sidewalk, a public sidewalk. And again, hey, First Amendment, we can't, it's, it's not nice, but we can't do anything about it. And it's racist and it's, and we don't condone it, but we can't do anything about it. The guy said there with a sign, it's his First Amendment. Somebody came up to him and ripped the sign out of his hand. Unfortunately, we had to charge that guy with, uh, you know, obstruction, whatever it was, or whatever the charge we, we charge him with. But when the officers came to the scene, the the guy with the signs, the, the anti-Semitic guy, went to shake the officer's hand. And the officer says, no, 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 you know, I don't know if you ever, it was COVID times, you know, I'm not going to shake your hand and just put his hand out. And the guy fist pumped him. He goes, hey, I just got to take a picture of your sign because it's, you know, evidence, no problem. That guy turned around a video within three hours of police supporting him, kept showing the fist pump to him over and over again. So we immediately, within hours that afternoon, we had to take the body cam video and show the whole incident and put it out there because it, it, news was asking, you know, Boca Raton officer, you know, supporting racist, you know, whatever. And we had to get that video right away of him doing that. Officer-involved shootings are a little, um, number one, lucky. Again, knock on more, we don't, we don't have many um, here in the city. Um, we, we have a lot of great um, use, of, use of forces that are not lethal. Uh, we also have great... Um, um, the word I'm thinking of in terms of, you know, de-escalation. Um, we have great de-escalation in this department. We see it time and time again with battered, battered um, subjects that are, you know, inside and not coming out. When you see other agencies knock down the door and go and shooting. Um, our de-escalation, I think, is second to none, so we're lucky in that aspect. But I think the question with officer-involved shootings, and I see them all the time when they're on the cable networks and everything, is that, yeah, you want to get that out there. You want to show your officer was right in firing his weapon at that suspect. Um, but you also want to make sure you have the facts before you, too. I think sometimes agencies push it out too fast. 
Um, you want you, you might have to take a couple of knocks before you put it out to make sure all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed and the internal affairs investigation has begun. Um, and let's look at it before you put all those, you know, um, OIS videos out. I think they, I think there's, I didn't let me back that up. I, I think it's very important we do do that, um, but we have to make sure we're not shooting ourselves basically doing that. Right. Thing. I know Philadelphia with that most recent incident that they had where the officer was just found not, uh, not guilty or not, the judge just threw the case out. Um, they originally had put out that the person was outside of the vehicle and threatening them, you know, lunging at them with a knife when the video clearly showed it, it didn't happen. So, so uh, Mark, is there an author or a book that has influenced you over your career? I was laughing when I said Howard Stern private parts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, this might sound ridiculous, but I don't read a lot of books. I, you know, it's funny because my wife's in a book club and she reads, 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 reads. I read so much during the day between news articles and newspapers and magazine articles and police chief magazine from front to back that I, I don't want to, in my downtime, I don't want to keep reading. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, you know, no, not really. Uh, is there a question I sh you wished I would have asked and how would you have answered it? Um, I don't know. You think you covered pretty much everything. Um, um, you know, you brought I up think, the AI thing, which was good. Yeah, so I, AI, you that. Know, I just think that we're in a whole different world, especially even with PIOs. We have a lot of young PIOs coming up the, the ranks now. Um, that's why the reason I love NIOA and IACP, that us veterans still go to these things and hopefully help teach some of these young PIOs um, some things um, that, that we take with us. You know, it's like that old reporter. I hate to say we're getting older, but we are, unfortunately. And I've been here 15 years now. And even though I'm going on my 15th year presenting again at IACP, I'm, I'm glad that people still want to listen to what I have to teach. Um, I do it here for the Florida Police Chiefs Association around the state as well. And I think that young PIOs have to ask the questions and kind of go back and look at what we do because um, it's going to take the wrong thing or the wrong, wrong word or the wrong tweet to uh, really bite you. So I think, you know, right. listen, listen to us veterans. <laughs> there you go. All right, Mark, we're going to go to rapid fire questions and I'll okay. let you go then. All right. Texting or talking? Texting. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Adult drink of choice? A nice smoky old fashioned. I love those. What would be your superpower if you could have one? Invisible. Bucket list place to travel to? Italy. Ask permission or beg for forgiveness? Oh, definitely forgiveness. PIO's way. What would you choose? Uh, who would you choose if you could have coffee with any historical figure? I thought about that a lot, and there's so many. Um, there's, you know, you look at political or sports. You know, I mean, I think politically, I love to have known and met JFK. I just think you know he was an intriguing guy and didn't 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 last very long, unfortunately. And that's whether Republican or Democrat. I just think that guy there is someone that'd be interesting to talk to. Um, the Pope on the religious side, I'd love to see what that guy's all about because I find him somebody that's be try as an older guy trying to be more um, liberal, I guess you will. And then uh, sports figures, Kari Stremsky. He's still alive, but uh, I'd love to talk to Kari Stremsky. Awesome. Final so thoughts then, Mark. What key points would you like listeners to take from the interview? You missed the one question on here. What is something oh, that I... instantly annoys me? Oh, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I've what is that something that instantly annoys you? People chewing out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's go. a joke here in the office. <laughs> okay. What key points would you like listeners to take from the interview? Um, take your time. Make sure your information is accurate. Stay on top of things. Be first, but be right first, as my old news director used to say. And keep the public engaged. 
you can't do it once a week or when you want to do it. You have to do it on a, a regular basis to keep people and to keep people, keep you in their feeds. Excellent. Anything else you'd like to add, Mark, before we go? No, I think that's it. Just for everybody to stay safe and keep that positive attitude for us PIOs. Us PIOs um, recently have, have um, been under a little bit of pressure, as you saw in Seattle and uh, all those places. Yeah. And I know Niowa stood up and IAC stood up for us uh, PIOs. I tell everybody, and maybe this is one last thing we can take away, and I'm, I am the true believer of this. Besides the chief of police, we are one of the most important people in these departments, in our profession. We are the voice and we are the face of this department. Anything that comes out is usually through us. And yep. we represent these agencies, and we always have to make sure we represent them positively. Mark, how can people best reach out to you if they want to connect or follow up with anything we talked about today? Email, text, Twitter. Um, you know, we're, I'm all over the place. Uh, and I will list all those yeah. in the show notes. My, my last name's not the easiest, so emeconomo at myboca.us, but I, I'll send you the list of stuff, and you can post it on there. Yeah, outstanding. Excellent. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate finally, it. Finally, thank you for being <laughs> patient with me. Thank you. And that was Mark Economo from Boca Police Department. Thank you. That's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode. If you are listening on a platform that allows reviews, please give us a review. We appreciate any review, good or bad. It helps us improve on each episode. Until next time, be safe.